This week on the program, we're talking to a libertarian running for Congress in Texas's 17th district. We'll welcome Ted Brown to the show. Later, Richard Spencer endorses Joe, and finally, we'll find out why it's not okay to be okay right now. That's right. This is Emergency Exit, finally. Ted, can you hear us? Hello. Hey, Ted, how's it going? I can't hear you. Oh, he can't hear us. We're, we're Okay, give us a second there. We're uh, trying to make this happen here. Same as system. Um, there you go. Can you hear us now? How about that? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. <laughs> good, e- good evening. How you doing? Success. Uh, we're, I'm doing well. Brandon's doing well. Well, my name is Carlos. My friends call me Los. Living here in Austin, Texas, along uh, with Brandon. We don't live together or nothing, but we do this show, Emergency Exit Podcast. We're a libertarian show. And uh, why not talk to a libertarian running for Congress and... Uh, Tell us, you're in the 17th district. Where is that in the, the scheme of things? I think that's like North Austin a bit. It is. It's the far north end of Travis County, like uh, Wells Branch, Pflugerville, out that way. Uh, pretty much north of north of Parmer, and then uh, goes out to uh, Waco, goes out to uh, College Station and Bryan, and there's like about nine rural counties in between. So it's it's a heavily gerrymandered district to neutralize a bunch of Austin Democrats, I think. You got that right, man. Um, are they going to, I guess they'll hopefully rewrite those those lines after the census, right? Well, if the census ever gets finished and <laughs> the figures are put in, then uh, the legislature will redraw the districts. And Texas is supposed to get three more districts. So there'll be all kinds of state legislators like uh, like trying to jump over each other, trying to have their own congressional district probably when they're drawing those. Yeah. And uh, about the census, there was this push from President Trump about uh, including the the words about uh, or asking if they're a legal citizen of the U.S. Is that something that you oppose or for? I don't see any reason for that. The only thing that the census is supposed to ask is how many people live here? That's the only, in the Constitution, that's the only question that needs to be answered because it's only used for uh, redistricting purposes, like how many uh, congressmen will a state have? And then within the states, like how will they uh, uh, redistrict the, uh, uh, the districts? They don't need to know all this other information about people uh, that they ask anyway. And certainly they don't need to know whether someone's a citizen or not. Do they need to, um, well, shouldn't we know if there's, Illegal immigrants, I mean, they're not citizens after all. So should we redraw and make more government based on the more people that come here illegally? Well, it's not really more government. You're going to have the same number of, number of congressmen, no matter, okay. <laughs> no matter how many more. immigrants are okay. here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. just, just, I was matter, just no matter how they're distributed. Yeah, I was thinking that's how it works. If you get more districts, you get more congressmen. Well, right. So tex- Texas would have more and say, uh, New York or Pennsylvania or one of those uh, states would have less because they're losing population. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. You're running for Congress. Uh, let's see. Bill Flores is the incumbent. He's not seeking re-election. He's a Republican. So you're running against Rick Kennedy, who's a Democrat, and Pete Sessions. Uh, that's not related to uh, Jeff, is it? No, not at all. I, I have, I've rarely heard that name, uh, but here there are those two famous Republicans there. Uh, Pete Sessions, though, the one who is uh, my opponent, uh, is the son of, uh, of William Sessions, who was an FBI director back in the 90s. Okay. And, uh, but Pete was a congressman for 22 years from the Dallas district. And then he uh, uh, was defeated for re-election in 2018. And he went district shopping to try to find a new district to run in. 
and he picked the 17th where he uh, grew up, up in Waco. So he hadn't lived there for a long time, but he decided that he would uh, uh, run for Congress in that district, and he beat like 10 other Republicans in the primary. They seemed to want him. I don't know why, and uh, they, uh, they've nominated him, but, but he is a complete swamp monster. Is that right? uh, he is part of the establishment. Uh, he was chairman of the House Rules Committee, which is uh, the committee that, uh, in other words, uh, for the six years he had that job, any legislation that went through Congress, he had it had to be something he favored. And he, uh, uh, in order to get out of that committee and go to the floor of the Congress, and he personally single-handedly stopped any kind of marijuana reform legislation, for example, uh, from going to the floor of Congress. It was him personally, because there were a lot of Republicans even that were in favor of that, but he said, nope, not going to happen. And pretty much he's a, you know, a neocon, uh, uh, you know, interventionist, uh, you know, war machine kind of guy, military industrial complex. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, he claims to be conservative and fiscally conservative, but uh, if his party leaders told him to vote for major government spending, he would certainly do it. And he certainly has in the past. So he's certainly not uh, really not good for the district. We, we need someone who uh, really believes in, uh, in freedom, personal freedom and economic freedom. I think you're absolutely right. And since you uh, you did mention marijuana there for a second, uh, you're definitely definitely pro marijuana uh, against the prohibition of cannabis. That's an easy one, though, right? Everyone's into that one these days. Oh yeah. Well, what what about LSD, ecstasy, mushrooms, hippie crack, Molly, PCP, fentanyl? You know all the fun ones. There. Are you for uh, getting rid of those laws to prohibit those? Yes, the, uh, the, the war on drugs is a war on the American people. Um, I've been against the drug war for over 40 years that I've been active in the Libertarian Party. And uh, it was a really lonely position back in like the, uh, the 80s and 90s, you know, the just say no, no era. Uh, that's the one that if a Libertarian uh, candidate uh, says, oh, I'm against the war on drugs, and then explains why everybody look at, looked at you like you're nuts. But then uh, Libertarians were the ones that were behind the medical marijuana movement and got that going in California. And uh, then it started, uh, people, it started uh, br- slipping away from the uh, drug warriors. They, uh, uh, marijuana is the uh, main way of, um, because it is a medicine really. And it was true that mar- marijuana had medicinal properties, but no one wanted to admit it. And they still don't want to admit it in a lot of circles uh, who are so conservative that they think, oh, somewhere, sometime, someone's gonna be smoking that for fun. Uh, they just can't, uh, can't allow that to happen. And so uh, the public's really come around to the libertarian position on that. And now, surprisingly enough, in some communities, there are pr- uh, pr- proposals on the ballot to uh, legalize mushrooms or uh, LSD and these kind of things. I think, wow, where did this ever come from? You know, it's uh, libertarians have been calling for this sort of thing for years. And it's not because we specifically advocate people using drugs. I mean, I personally don't advocate that. But uh, uh, adults have the right to put anything in their bodies that they want. It's, it's not up for the government to decide. It's for the uh, individual to decide. I 100% agree. Uh, government should be not involved in my life, uh, in many aspects of my life, which it is involved. But uh, as for drugs, in 2018, more than 31,000 deaths involving synthetic opioids, other than methadone, occurred in the United States, which is more deaths than any other type of opioid. Synthetic opioid-involved death raised... Uh, the rates increased by 10% from 2017 to 2018 and accounted for 67% of opioid-involved deaths in 2018. Will legalizing these opioids uh, reduce the abuse and, most importantly, lower the death rate? Well, part of the problem is that uh, uh, if you can't get the drug legally, 
uh, and you get it illegally, you're not going to have uh, marked doses. You're not going to have quality control. You're not going to have anything that you would get if it was uh, if the drugs are prepared, manufactured by a legitimate drug manufacturer. And so that's part of the problem. And the fact that uh, uh, there uh, people start using the opioids for pain, and now there's this war on pain medication where. Uh, the, the doctors are told, oh, we're going to investigate you and take away your medical license if you prescribe too many of these drugs. So they tell their patients, well, sorry, you know, you can't get the pain medication you, you need for your back injury or whatever it is. And so then people have to go for uh, uh, illegal methods of getting the same drugs. And that's where the danger comes in. And then uh, the drugs get cut with the dangerous substances, fentanyl, for example. That might have been what you were referring to, yeah. uh, because that's such a dangerous substance. People, there'd be no reason for anyone to take that if they could get, uh, uh, you know, a pure, normal uh, prescription type drugs. Yeah, I mean, I'm for abolition of all those those laws against drugs. You know, uh, the war on drugs is a war that will never ever win in America, and I think that's it's designed that way. You know, it, I think what was it uh, Nixon put that in place and. Uh, we haven't been able to get out of it at all. No, and it was completely cynical. Uh, they, it's even been revealed one of his aides at that time, John Ehrlichman, who was part of the Watergate uh, contingency there, uh, he revealed in his memoirs that uh, Nixon was uh, trying to get, uh, he didn't like black activists back then and he didn't like uh, uh, anti-war activists. And he wanted to find a good way of getting at them. And he figured that uh, making their favorite uh, recreation illegal and uh, harass them would be the best way to do it. So he, he announced the war on drugs. He figured that uh, uh, they'd be able to go after hippies and you know all these uh, malcontents that they, they say that would be using all these drugs and just accuse them of being criminals and take them off the street. And yeah. it, uh, it's just uh, compounded on itself when uh, the war on drugs got into full gear and these uh, uh, very strict uh, drug laws with mandatory minimum sentences and uh, uh, just increased our prison population and totally wrecked uh, urban communities uh, throughout the country and turned the streets of cities into uh, war zones and everything. It was a disaster. And we have so many people in prison, mostly uh, for these drug offenses. The, the prison population has gone up, what, like six or seven times or eight times since 1980. And uh, I believe it's uh, 42% of all federal prisoners are there for uh, nonviolent drug offenses. 42%? Right, about 17% in the states and 42% in federal. Yeah, man, that's it's such a bummer. You know, I was when I first moved to Texas, I was detained in El Paso. I had my whole tr my truck was full of all my stuff moving to Texas mm -hmm. and you know, I come from California where it was legal at least medicinally at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had some paraphernalia. I had a couple, uh, couple of my old pipes. I didn't have any much weed on me, maybe less than a gram. They pull me over, or at least I uh, got stopped at the border there of El Paso, and the dog mm -hmm. sniffed me out, and they gave mm -hmm. me such a goddamn hard time out there. Um, they handcuffed me to a bench. They got, they've, they've got, got, they've got their cops looking through me uh, th through my truck, and they were telling me, "You better tell me everything. Um, if if the dog smells a thing in your tires, we're slashing those tires." You know, trying to scare the shit out of me, really, man. And I, I have not. Uh, and I was like, I, I, I was handcuffed to this bench. I said, officers, you know, is the handcuffs really this necessary? I'm not going anywhere. You know, you got my stuff. I'm really not going anywhere. Are they necessary? Yes, they're absolutely necessary. Detained me for eight hours and gave me a ticket. Terrible. Took all my shit too. That was the worst part. You know, these guys, they just they start on a power trip. They figure they can. Uh 
they figure you're you look like you're a suspicious character or they just have nothing else to do they just uh uh, figure why not go after this uh, uh, bearded guy from California? Who better to go after and have a good time? Oh, it was even worse. I had a big old mustache too, and uh, my name's Carlos. So they looked at the big mustache. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh. "Okay, we got to bust this guy right here." Uh, no, luckily I had a good old fashioned ID from California. That's right. You're are you from California as well? I did live in California for quite a while. Yes, you helped get the marijuana stuff going out there, right? Well, I, wasn't, I wasn't behind that, but I was a strong supporter of it way back in 96 when it got uh, when it was on the ballot and everyone was shocked in the country when it passed. But that was the start of everything. That was the start of the uh, reform of uh, marijuana laws. Now, I'm not a big smoker these days. I still do partake in ti- at times. But it's funny, the, the, the second I left, I'm about 10 years into Austin here. The second, second I, I left, left, I think it was a year or two. Uh, fully legal out there. And I was like, what the hell, boys? <laughs> What's going on? But, you know, Texas has been a lot better for me, I believe. Uh, it's definitely more, uh, there's more personal freedom um, uh, just in general. And, and now that I'm seeing things happening, I mean, I'm only watching them on the news, of course, and the news only shows me what they want to show me. But California is a, sort of a, a hellhole at the moment, for lack of better words there. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm more glad all the time that I left there because uh, it just seems getting worse and worse. My daughter still lives there. And it's, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, you know, the place is totally locked down. It seems they have like insane policies from the uh, the Democrats run this run the state about uh, more than two thirds veto proof margin. They can just do whatever they want with taxes, spending regulation. They just are running roughshod over everybody's rights out there. And uh, that, this uh, bill, they had a B five that was uh, uh, to uh, pretty much limit the gig economy. They don't want anybody earning freelance income, like uh, you know, Uber and Lyft drivers, like uh, strippers, like uh, uh, people just do freelance work. Uh, anybody that is not on the payroll, and the unions don't like that, so that they're ruining California on that. They're, they were wrecking the economy there even before the, the uh, pandemic. And it's just, uh, so but, Texas, you're right, is so much better. Uh, but Ted, usual. but Ted, they've, they've got, got weed though. They've, they've got, got legal weed though, man. man. They, they got yeah, they legal. <laughs> I know that's that's on the positive side, but yet they regulate it and tax it too much, so the black market's coming back. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that is too funny. I went out there two years ago, and I was just able to go right into a shop, and you know they were able to service me, which was kind of cool. And uh, it was really something amazing at the time for me. I was like, oh my god, you know, we're finally here, everybody. We're finally here. You know, yeah. uh, marijuana is legal in 11 states, and it's uh, legal for medicinal use in 33. When are we going to have legal weed here in Texas, Ted? Well, it's up to the uh, legislature, but just like uh, how my opponent Pete Sessions was uh, making sure Congress never passed that kind of legislation here in Texas, it's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick that is solely and individually responsible for no reforms. He, he just will not let the bills come up in the state Senate, even after they pass. One of them passed, I think, almost unanimously in the state house last year in, in the legislative session, and uh, he won't let it. He won't let it, anything up. He just is so totally opposed to that. What's up with uh, these Republicans and not being for at least herbs? I mean, if, if beer is able to, or alcohol is able to be legal, why not marijuana? It, it is simply not as bad as, as being drunk is. <laughs> no, but see, they all get drunk probably. They want their drug of choice to be legal and, uh, and not the drug of choice of these more countercultural uh, you know, people that they don't approve of their lifestyles, unfortunately. 
Well, I tell you, they'll pick up a lot of votes if they just say we're we're for it. You know, libertarians are like right there hanging on. I mean, although I feel like most libertarians will vote towards the right on many issues, um, I, I'm sure we can pick up tons of uh, of uh, of libertarians in the Republican Party. I mean, we're not picking them up in the Republican Party. We will definitely vote for them though in a lot right, of well, policy. You'd be, you'd be, well, you'd be surprised. Like Republicans seem to think that libertarians uh, take votes away from Republican candidates, but. Uh, poll, polls and statistics have shown that's about a third, a third, and a third. Uh, get out. People, if a libertarian isn't running, it'd be, they'd probably vote a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third wouldn't vote at all in that race if there was no uh, libertarian running. So, because uh, we're, we're all across the political spectrum. Because, for, uh, for example, there's that I side with poll where you list your positions and see where you compare to your, your candidate. Uh-huh. And so, in my own district, uh, of course, I agree with myself. Uh, only 93%, surprisingly. I don't know about the rest of it, but, but I agree with uh, my, my Democratic opponent, 54%, uh, Rick Kennedy, and Pete Sessions, 46%. And that pretty much is the ideological breakdown, I would think. You know, we have yeah. a lot of uh, liberal positions and a lot of conservative positions. Yeah, I don't know why more people aren't for the Libertarian Party. I talk to some people and they're just like, get out of the road, man. If you're, if you're not willing to uh, pick a side, get, you know, you're going to get run the hell over. I think that's not cool. No, not at all. And the uh, see, we're the only country pretty much that has only two parties. And it's like been 160 years of the exact same two parties. And it's a matter of uh, the people just keep voting for the lesser of two evils. They, they uh, say, oh, we're going to switch back and forth each time from the de- Democrats and Republicans. Oh, it's going to get better the next time. Uh, but, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and ex- expect a different result, it's the definition of insanity. And that's yeah. what's been going on in this country. And and people really need, we need more, we need more voices in this country. We need uh, libertarians, we need greens, we need uh, plenty of different uh, political viewpoints expressed and the limitations are so great. I mean, uh, the Democrats and Republicans really don't allow a whole major range of debate. I mean, within, within the debate that goes on, it's pretty vigorous, as you know, no, people get pretty uh, upset about their <laughs> political views. Google Hangouts or, you know, one of the Google things. And he, he uh, Brandon was telling me, you don't use any Google at all? Do you have a Gmail? Well, I mean, or one, any- of my, one of my business emails is on there, but usually, uh, usually not. I mean, I, I've had like Hotmail for my email for like 20 years, the same email address. <laughs> it works just fine. So. Well, I was thinking maybe because you're so libertarian, you're like, there's no way I'm letting Google track where the hell I am. Yeah, I still use their search engine. And, okay. You know. Yeah, so they know you. They, you know, and another thing I was thinking too, um, you may be one of the libertarians that, uh, very few libertarian gentlemen that aren't rocking a mustache. I think maybe if you rocked a mustache, we get you some more votes there. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I don't know. I did have a beard and mustache like uh, 25 years ago. But it's been a while. <laughs> well, okay. So let's get into some more of your... Uh, your platform here. So it, as for taxes, you're, you want to vote to repeal income tax, abolish the IRS, and to never vote to raise taxes. Now, abolition of the IRS, uh, how does that work exactly? Well, basically, uh, uh, the personal income tax, for example, uh, brings in about uh, $1.7 trillion a year out of the federal budget, which is like over $4 trillion a year. So that's part of why there's a budget deficit. They're not collecting enough. And um, don't get me wrong, I don't want them to collect any more. But uh, if you uh, didn't have the, uh, feder- the amount that, goes, that comes from the federal income tax, you'd still have the level of government, government that we had 15 years ago. And we sure had too much government back then. So we need to have massive cuts in, the, in federal spending 
to go along with the uh, cuts in taxes. You can't just, in fact, this is what the Republicans do. In fact, they had a, a very good uh, tax cut bill about three years ago. They cut all this, uh, the, the taxes at the federal level, but they didn't cut any spending. So what do they expect is gonna happen? The national debt just keeps growing and growing and growing. And so those things have to be combined with each other. And uh, that's where libertarians, I think, differ from uh, Republicans quite a bit when we start talking about tax policy, because we're not hesitant to, uh, to cut spending. And the, uh, the politicians who are in power just want to keep spending because they have a lot of people that, uh, that are dependent on it. And those are the people that contribute to their campaigns and they want to vote for them. So, uh, you know, it's better to not, not uh, be beholden to these special interest groups. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, last year we passed a proposition, a Prop 4, that prohibits the imposition of an individual income tax. And I'm all for not paying that uh, state income tax and ever having to pay for it. Is there a world that we can not have to pay federal income tax? Well, I sure hope so, because that's really, not only is it, a, uh, it costs people a lot of money, it's totally intrusive. I mean, uh, you have to report all your income and all your expenses and all this and the amount of compliance time is really expensive. And then if you make a mistake, you could go to jail. So, I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's certainly, certainly no picnic to uh, be involved with the federal income tax. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I mean, it's possible, right? I mean, well, who's going to pay for all the, the, the stuff, you know, who's going to pay for the, the, the roads being paved or the, the firemen, the policemen, who's going to pay for that if there's no federal taxes? Well, most of that actually is done at the state and local level except the, the feds get involved because they want to get involved. So they like uh, uh, give grants on those uh, subjects, but the feds should not be involved in roads. They should not be involved in the police. They shouldn't be involved in firemen. And they usually aren't really. Uh, but the, uh, but the, it's funny how the roads always come up. People say, Oh, well, you have to have taxes for the roads. And then, uh, <laughs> you, then the you see a, a, a little film from like 19, like one of those old black and white films that shows like 1905 and someone's taking a camp movie camera through New York city back in the, you know, before the income tax was even adopted and, and people, and they say, well, look at that. There were actually roads back then before there was an income tax, you know? And so there are plenty of ways of financing roads. You could have tolls, you could have uh, uh, businesses that have, that are on those roads could pay for them because they're benefiting from the infrastructure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of different options on that. Uh, you don't have to just like tax people. And, uh, and then when they say the gasoline taxes go for the roads, uh, then they don't even maintain the roads with your gasoline taxes. No, geez. These, there's some roads out here are terrible at times. Corpus Christi's got some terrible roads. I'm sorry, Corpus Christi, but I think maybe because they, they keep constantly get hit by the weather out there. So it'd be, uh, be tough there. You know, I, I find to be realistic, people probably are too sheep to try to even vote or even somebody to propose a no federal uh, income tax uh, thing. But uh, I mean, would you be more for like a, let's say that's off the table. Would you be more for like a flat tax? Well, the flat tax is an income tax. It's just a, a, a how you calculate what people are supposed to pay. So, uh, you know, it would be just a matter of, uh, uh, we, we, we want to get rid of most of the government functions, except for aside from national defense and perhaps uh, you know, some courts and a few things like that, uh, we really don't need that much federal government. I mean, the constitution uh, has a very limited role for the federal government and a lot more of a role for the state and local governments. And, but the feds have just like uh, gained more and more power over the years. 
and um, uh, libertarians are the ones that want to turn that back, saying, "No, no, you guys, we don't need we don't need you to do all this stuff. You're you're too big. You're too intrusive. Yeah. We just yeah. don't need you." It's crazy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and sometimes I I, I forget because I live in such a liberal town that I, I forget the fact that we don't need a seventy five percent of the government that is here. You know, uh, uh, how would property tax look if we didn't have so much government? You know, would people, would we have these issues with gentrification? I mean, there's people, I mean, all the Teslas come into town, so that's going to probably push out more people, you know? Uh, what's going on with that? Would we be able to, is someone smoking pot back there? Is that what's going on? <laughs> uh, where they really want to raise taxes now locally with property taxes, uh, whether it's at the uh, schools or the cities or the counties or whatever, is because of the uh, the pandemic where they're losing a lot of revenues, like they're losing sales tax revenue because people aren't out, out there buying as much stuff. And then uh, they're, uh, you know, more people are unemployed, so they have uh, more expenditures for unemployment reasons. And so uh, because of the uh, pandemic uh, causing economic havoc, really, uh, that's the, uh, obviously, who's supposed to pay for that? Well, the poor taxpayer always gets put to uh, <laughs> exactly. And so the, the legislature last year actually passed a law to limit how much they could raise taxes at the, uh, for, the, for the cities and the school boards and all that. And they have like an emergency provision in there saying, well, if there's an emergency, you might be able to do it more than that. So of course, whatever the maximum they're allowed to do, each of these agencies uh, is trying to do the maximum and raise people's property tax. And frankly, they're going to need, there's going to be a property tax rebellion like there was in California 40 years ago with Prop 13. And people are just not going to stand for their homes keeping being reassessed, the taxes going up, and people uh, losing their homes because they can't afford the taxes. So th that's something that's got to change also here in Texas. You're absolutely right. I mean, my, my girlfriend and I, we just bought a house and we were loving, we wanted to buy something in Austin. Property taxes are just incredible out here. And we're we're we we're forced to go all the way down to Kyle to get some proper property tax, uh, a home that's big enough. Uh, as much as I love Austin, I mean, I think this is going to be. I mean, dude, we can we we bought a house for we can buy you know a condo for out here or something you know like a one bedroom condo. And, and it's crazy. One thing you could look for is unincorporated area that you lose having any city have property taxes. You just have the county, which you have anyway. Oh, interesting. I, my, I remember there was a place back home in Anaheim that was uh, incorporated, and I lived in that area. Uh, but I always heard it was un or unincorporated uh, Austin or what? I mean, uh, Anaheim. But uh, anyways, I stray from that. Uh, you did mention COVID earlier, and you have some things about COVID. But uh, right now, I have to wear a mask at work. And, you know, being more than I'm being more than six feet from anyone uh, working at in my department there, I'm forced to do so because of the ordinance that's imposed in Austin that would fine our company $2,000 for every violation. And I'm in a workshop that isn't open to the public. Mm. And I'm forced to wear masks. And now, uh, I mean, the CDC, I, I, I was looking for the study or that I, I could not find it. So please take this with a grain of sand. But I mean, even the study said something to the effect that uh, masks, uh, all they, they do work in some instances, they, there's no evidence to show that it would stop the coronavirus which is, I guess, the big thing that's going on right now. And uh, I find that to be very weird because we can go into a restaurant, we have to wear our masks, but when then we're allowed to remove them when we eat or drink. And I'm thinking, why not just carry around a drink with you at all times? And you're just like, hey, 
uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm, just, I'm drinking. You know, if anyone gives you trouble, you're, I'm drinking. And just keep constantly drinking because that's the rule right now. You can take off your mask when you're drinking. So I'm drinking all the time. Why do we need these rules? That part doesn't make very much sense, but the uh, it does make sense that both people are wearing masks. I think the odds of transmission are probably pretty slim, but the key is, should that be voluntary or should that be mandatory? Correct. Question. Like I personally will, will wear a mask if I'm going to be like inside, especially, and then talking to someone, you know, uh, fairly close uh, together. But if I'm like outside exercising or just walking past people randomly on the street, I'm not very worried about it because, you know, it's the fresh air and, you know, the wind's blowing and all that stuff. It's when you have like, uh, uh, when you're closely speaking to someone, I believe, and, uh, you know, people are breathing on each other or whatever is where there's a chance of transmission. But you have to be practical about that. And what sure. government does is they have this one size fits all. Uh, and they, they're saying that no matter, even if you were probably, if you were alone at your office, you'd have to have the mask on is what they're probably saying. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't make any sense. They're, you have to look at the circumstances. Sometimes you need it and sometimes you don't. And uh, they don't consider that. And then uh, when they have these uh, uh, shutting down of businesses, that made no sense either. You know, what's essential and what's not essential. Every business is essential to the people who are involved in it. And there was no appeal. There's no due process of law. So I've been opposed to like lockdowns and closing of businesses from the very beginning. Uh, get people information they need to protect themselves, but don't just have the hammer of the law ruin people's jobs and businesses and uh, and, and medical treatment. You can't, couldn't even get medical treatment for a while That's unless right. you had a government-approved uh, yeah, government uh, disease. You, you know? know, and you were talking about essential. You know, who's more essential than teachers? But we can't open the schools yet. Uh, who they're deeming essential is like how they talk about like like a hate speech sometimes. Uh, what's offensive to you may not be offensive to me, you know, like kind of things like that. Anyways, I, 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 I digress, but I wanted to ask you a question about the vaccine. Once it's available, should it be mandatory to take? No, I mean, it's, it's a good idea normally to get a vaccination. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly in favor of vaccination and think they work. Well, we don't know if this one will work. Uh, I think a lot of people might say, you know what? It's okay to take that, but I'm not going to be the first one. Let's wait till a few, a few other, you know, a few million other people take it to see if it doesn't kill them or not uh, before um, I would take that vaccine. But no, it should never be mandatory, though. I mean, I certainly believe in health freedom. You, you, you control what goes into your own body. Nobody else uh, should be doing that for you. Absolutely. Uh, but, but you should have as much evidence as possible. There's a lot of people that just uh, seem to be paranoid. They might say, well, if this person says I should take a vaccine, then I'm not going to because that person is part of some vast conspiracy or something. And that's not a good reason at all. I mean, it's better to look at the science, uh, do your research. And if you believe it's safe for you, and that's, that's right for you, then you should take it. If not, not. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, constitutional lawyer and uh, legal scholar Alan Dershowitz, you know, the OJ lawyer and uh, recently Trump's lawyer, um, he said, quote, let me put it very clearly. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread the disease. Even if you disagree, you have no right not to be vaccinated. And if you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. Well, there's so many problems with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many problems with that because, A, uh, he has no idea if you're going around infecting anybody or not. You might not be sick. <laughs> and yeah. The odds are you probably aren't going around infecting anybody. I mean, they would have to, if they suspected you of that, 
then uh, they could probably make some kind of investigation and uh, do what used to be done uh, for actual infected people, and that's a quarantine. And then, uh, but now what they did in this country is instead of quarantining known sick people, they quarantined everybody else so they can stay away from the sick people, it seems. And that's to totally wrong. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's so crazy, you know, uh, and we were talking about Fauci and how Fauci told us masks, you know, they don't work. It just makes people feel safe in that famous interview. And then later he was asked by, um, uh, was it Jim Jordan or Rand Paul? I, uh, it was, I think it was Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan was saying something to the effect like, hey, um, uh, geez, I, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, run me back my train of thought there, Brandon. Fauci, that's right. Right, and then he goes to the fact like, uh, no, 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 it wasn't even Jim Jordan. It was another It was another uh, uh, senator who said, like, do you regret telling people not to wear masks? And he's like, okay, let me tell you something. Basically, the guy lied to us. Fauci lied to us intentionally because there was a shortage of masks. And so I think there's this, this idea where uh, Fauci, uh, the god Fauci, uh, may peace be upon him, you know, kind of thing going on with Fauci. And he told us masks don't work. You know, they just make people feel safe, which maybe still be the case. But then he was saying, well, listen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we had a shortage and I had to say that kind of thing. And that makes people think, what else are you lying to us about, sir? Well, right. See, that, he, that, was, his, that was the really big mistake of the, of the whole thing was that uh, lie about the, the – uh, Mass at the beginning, or cha or changing his mind about that, or, or uh, formally or officially changing his mind, because that's ma what made a lot of people say, you know, uh, you know, to, uh, like you said, that they're 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 suspicious of of the mass, even though logically it would seem like masks should work, especially surgical masks, because the doctors and nurses use them. Uh, why else would they use them if they didn't work, right? Correct. So uh, so there is a, a reason to use them. But people are naturally suspicious. And of course, if you force somebody to do something like that, that's when a lot of people just get their, their hackles up and say, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. And so uh, the fact that they're trying to make this uh, ma everything mandatory and uh, put, make people do things they don't want to do uh, that they're suspicious of is what's driving a lot of the uh, conflict that we're having right now. And it's funny, uh, our co-host, he's not here today, he's on a special assignment, he recorded a video, we had a, uh, a COVID hoaxer slash flat earther on the show, um, and he's like absolutely against like masks and everything, he's like, why do you even like wear a mask, like stand up for yourself, you know, kind of thing, and I was like, listen man, I just don't want confrontation, so speaking of confrontation, our uh, co-host here, David, went into like a Best Buy or something without a mask, he, he was super kind, of like, we're going to do this, we're going to walk through it. And uh, somebody from the, uh, uh, Best Buy walked up to him and tried to give him a mask, and he he blew up on him. I mean, he didn't blow up on him and say, like, hey, blah, blah, blah. He's like, why would you just come up to me? And, like, like, why wouldn't you just ask me? Why don't you, like, talk to me? Or why is it like, oh, here, wear this mask, you know? Uh, we'll, we'll play the clip next week, maybe later on tonight. But I thought it's weird that we're having people – like, I, I, I'm myself. I just don't want that confrontation. Uh, I'm going to wear the mask. You know, I want to be libertarian and I don't want to stand out too much. And I mean, it's got nothing to do with my political views. It's just that, listen, I've seen too many videos of people yelling at people that aren't wearing masks. And uh, I, there's too many videos of people that are like uh, telling you not to wear masks. I just I'm just not into any of any of that. I'm just going to keep going on with going on. And uh, 
David here, he's eccentric, uh, to say the least. Uh, uh, when he was talking about Flat Earth, he was like, oh, man, he makes a lot of sense. So, But uh, sometimes <laughs> that happens. He's a, he's a fun guy. Uh, so let me let me move on. <laughs> let me move on here to uh, uh, some more of your platform. LGBT rights here on your website. On your website, it says that you're all for LGBTQ plus rights. Uh, while I don't think the government should be involved in marriage, I believe that uh, G's and L's should be able to do it. If we're able to do it, why not? Right. So other than the right to marry, what other rights are you going to be fighting for for, for them? Well, basically. Libertarians were, were in favor of gay rights going back like 50 years, almost, we're, the party's almost 50 years old. And way back in the 70s, when uh, being gay or, or gay sex and all was even considered a mental illness by the uh, American Psychological Association, uh, we were calling for uh, uh, recognition of, uh, of gay marriage and full rights for uh, gay people to uh, live their lives as they see fit, the same as anybody else should. You shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be any discrimination about who you love, based on who you love or what kind of sexual position you like or what, whatever the case may be. And so we were right at the forefront of that. We had gay candidates, gay party leaders, and uh, a lot of support in the gay community for many, many years. Uh, now less so because. Uh, the uh, you know the Democrats have certainly uh, picked up on that issue, but with gay marriage, we were there uh, you know thirty some years before the Democrats were, and uh, uh, they were really late to the game. I mean, Obama and Biden were pretty late to the game. Hillary yes. Clinton was late to the game, and now it seems to be like a part of the party uh, uh, mainstream. But it wasn't just uh, ten years ago, You're you know. Right. So they it, uh, they were just they just put their uh, finger up to the wind, you know, and uh, decide what they, how much they can get away with uh, on some of these issues. So uh, uh, the problem is, you know, we, for maybe for the gay community is that we don't want to give any special privileges uh, to the gay community uh, beyond what everybody else has. We want everybody under the law to be treated equally. And, uh, you know, uh, gay, gay people should be treated the same as straight people, but they shouldn't be treated extra than straight people, for example, or no, uh, same as with any other group. I agree 100%. And I feel like that's what a lot of like Democrats, that's where they start going into, you know, they'll start saying, hey, we're for LGBT rights. Uh, and then everyone thinks oh, the Democrats were the ones of LGBT rights. Uh, but then all of a sudden, they're they're for giving them extra treatment, extra stuff. And like, well, wait a minute, I thought we we're for equal here. And you're giving them more, more rights. And so I asked a lot of people, what rights are afforded, afforded to straight folk that LGBT folks don't have? You know, uh, same thing I say with the, the women's rights as well. You know, what what rights do we have that they don't have, you know? And it's all the same. Uh, at, the, at this point now, we're pretty equal. I think that's why uh, LGBT or at least gay rights um, have sort of uh, gone down the wayside. Now we're work, they're working on trans rights, which ask, what makes me ask you, uh, should like a trans woman be able to compete in sports with the gender that they identify with? I have mixed feelings about that. And I mean, that's uh, that's something that really would have to be decided, like whichever organization is putting on the sporting event would have to decide that sort of thing, you know, with an uh, agreement amongst all those that are participating in that sport. But in theory, it seems like it's unfair. And I know there were some female, you know, call or high school female athletes like in the Northeast that were complaining about that, saying, wait a minute, we're the champs. And then these guys come in or uh, who used to be guys, at least. And they have all the muscle tone and all that the because uh, men are generally bigger and stronger. Whoa, take it easy there, buddy. Take it easy with the hate speech. No, from their body types, though. And, and though they're, they're, welcome <laughs> to, they're welcome to identify as women. If they want to have a conversion that way, that's perfectly fine with me, whatever they want totally to do. Totally fine. But, 
but they have to, they don't want to, there shouldn't be any like cheat, like quote unquote cheating going on, you know, like they're only doing it in order to win an athletic contest or something. Yeah. And you know, it, it's not necessarily that they're cheating. It's just that they have, they unintentionally cheated by growing up as a male and, and, and obtaining all the testosterone that a woman never would get, you know? That's the problem here. Um, men going or uh, trans women going into the UFC and just brutalizing the women that they fight against, you know, those kind of things. Uh, the women are for, all for it. You know, they're like, yes, we're for equality until they get their head bashed in by this guy and their their eye socket beat the fuck in. Like, we got to be careful what we say. And I think maybe there is a place for the, the trans sports. There it is. Trans sports. You know, uh, why not? At least they're all on the same playing field, and maybe eventually we get to a point where, see, this is the problem with the trans thing, though, because when do you transition into a a, a female? Does it happen when you're a child? Um, do you get f- hormone blockers from your parents? Like this is where it gets concerning for me as a as a person here. Do we give children that think that they're uh, little boys that who think that they're girls uh, hormone blockers to help them feel like a girl? Right. See, I wonder about that because I just really don't know whether uh, a kid really knows that uh, or is it some decision that they would need to make when they're older. But yet when they're older, it might be too late to get the right body type that they're looking for or something because they've already gone through puberty or whatever. So I just don't know what's right on that. That would be for people. That's another thing between doctors and the doctors and their patients that perhaps the uh, law should not be involved. Well, listen, when I lived in California to get a medical card, you had to go to a doctor and the doctor you filled out x you fill out an x in a box and you pretty much get your your medicine so uh we may see something of that nature if we go that route well maybe so uh but the thing is though that it really is kind of a sacred trust between doctors and their patients because and and really the government shouldn't interfere in that it it does come up on a lot of issues It, it comes up on the abortion issue it comes up on the uh uh, end of life, like euthanasia kind of issues. And it comes up here on the, uh, uh, the trans issue. And there's just so many places where the government says, you know, we're not going to listen to what the doctor and the patient want. We're just going to decide for them. And this is what government does. You know, they just uh, think they know better than what people, you know, better than people want for themselves or what they uh, want. Uh, and so it's just not right. I mean, this, I believe in individual choice. That's what a, a mantra of libertarians and uh, government is the, is the opposite. They just want to inter- intervene in all these different relationships. Absolutely. Well, you know, we only got a few more minutes left with you. And I wanted to touch on immigration real quick here. So you're for dreamers to get immediate citizenship. You're against the wall building and uh, stopping or you're for stopping deportations, except for the violent offenders. Now, you've also mentioned something in there. I thought it sounded like you're for uh, open borders. They can move freely between borders and such. Um, Is that something you're for or just freely moving between borders? Well, in theory, I mean, I do think that uh, there should be reason to deny someone access. And that would be uh, whether if they're a criminal, if they're a terrorist and if they have a communicable disease, those would be reasonable. And that's the kind of thing that at Ellis Island back, uh, you know, 100 years ago that they looked for. They had like uh, the immigrants were checked for tuberculosis and other communicable diseases. If they had them, they were they uh, they got sent back. There's been some really interesting, uh, you know, enter- entertaining movies about that subject where, you know, a family comes over and one member of the family has tuberculosis and they aren't allowed in with the rest of the family or something. It's kind of heartbreaking. But uh, the theory is you don't want someone who's diseased coming in. 
And of course, we don't want criminals coming in, but just about everybody else, uh, immigration is a positive good for this country. It always has been. Both of my grandfathers were immigrants. That's right. And uh, I just, uh, uh, the prejudice in that regard, I think people think opposite of what the actual facts show. They think, oh, that immigrants are a drain on society. The immigrants take people's jobs. But no, in no, general, no. this is, just isn't true. It's Absolutely not. In, my mom is an immigrant. I'm a, f- a first generation here. And, and you know, I am for the uh, the border wall per se, because uh, we like what's stopping, who's stopping the people? Because you're like, okay, we got to make sure to check for them, for the lice, for the this, the tuberculosis. Well, where do they, wh- when does that point come when they're coming here? The thing is, though, it's, it's very hard to come here legally, though. Uh, now, if you were like some, uh, you know, say, say in Mexico, if you were like some wealthy doctor who lived in Mexico and applied to, through all the legal channels to immigrate, you might get a chance to do that in 20 years. But if you're like some day laborer, there's absolutely just no way legally that you can come to this country with, in the absence of some sort of... Then why uh, are there like, like tons of day laborers at Home Depot right now? I mean, I can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and they're standing right there. I mean, where do they, where do they come from? Well, they're Ill- they illegally crossed in some fashion. <laughs> well, I'm from, from, I'm from Orange County, California, and that was like... Dude, that is everybody there pretty much was. Right. What you would need to do, though, is if everybody knew they could come in, and, but, but they would have to be uh, signed in, you know, they need to, need to be uh, identified. But if they knew they were getting in, just about everybody, unless they were up to no good, would come through the normal process to do that if they knew sure. they were getting in. But now they're probably, they know they're not going to get in, especially under the Trump administration. They're going to be separated. Their kids are going to be put in cages and things like that. So uh, trying to do things uh, right. Look, Ted, uh, th- this, this whole nomenclature of saying putting kids in cages is, is getting old with me. Um, I, we, saw the, we saw the cages. I mean, personally, I never saw any cages. I see, I see – when I think cages, I think of like my cat's cage, you know, that I'm ready to take them in. But, you know, I'm, I'm seeing basically fences and uh, in, in small, in small doses, small – rooms that are the walls are made of chains i don't see them as cages and most certainly don't think that like they're like stealing the children and and putting them in cages but that's what i hear all the time trump's doing this and then trump put it back on because he wanted to you know send a message that you bring your kids you you come here you'll be separated which i get the deterrent part it's sort of the same reason why we have prisons here hey you break the laws you're going to be separated from your children by being put in prison so i i don't do the people that are coming here illegally, which I don't know how many it is, but do the people that are coming here illegally know that they're doing it illegally? They know that they're breaking a U.S. law when they do that? Uh, I'm not sure about that part of it, uh, but uh, some of them are trying to come as refugees instead and seek asylum, which is a different process than actual uh, immigration. I think that's totally. where this comes in. Uh, but uh, frankly, you're right about, though, about the, uh, the uh, separation and the uh, sort of imprisonment of everybody, like children and the parents separately, uh, even under the Obama administration. In fact, uh, Obama was even called to task by the Hispanic community about that. And they sort of don't want to mention that because uh, uh, obviously Trump is far worse even than that, but it did get started back then. And, um, and it seems like the immigration authorities are just uh, you know on the war path um, against immigrants. They go after people that have... Uh, you know, been in the country for a long time, and uh, uh, but just had some minor conviction like 30 years ago, and to just drag them out and deport them, and 
uh, you know, there's just uh, all kinds of, uh, of attacks on, uh, on every type of immigrant. And even the, now the H-1B visa holders, the uh, professionals uh, who are really needed in the tech industries in this country, uh, they're being denied uh, access. Uh, that's being cut back considerably. So it's just really hard for anybody who wants to come here under any type of immigration uh, plan. And I think that's wrong. I mean, uh, immigrants have made this country and I think we should be welcoming them and making it easier to come here legally. And when they do come legally, then they're identified. We know who they are and, and all that. I think that's definitely important. And, you know, my mother, and she's a, she's a Republican, obviously, because she's a real immigrant. I'm just kidding. But she she mentions how, like, she's not for the people. When it comes to, like, dreamers, you're, you're for instant uh, citizenship. And maybe maybe they are the exception to this uh, this comment. But, you know, she said, I had to go through a hell of a lot to become a citizen. So uh, my question I want to ask you, and I think it's the last question I can ask you, is... Um, um, how many illegal immigrants are in America and what do we do with, with the, the population that's here? Assuming that they're the good ones, not the bad ones. Like my mother came here legally. She went through the right channels, made a family, blah, blah, blah. What do we do with the people that are here illegally now? Well, see, a lot of them uh, don't necessarily want to stay here. They want they would just like to come and uh, some guys just want to come work uh, on the farms for a few months and then go back to Mexico or, or their other country. But because it's so hard to go back and forth now, they've had to bring their families over as well because they can't go back and forth. If we had programs where it's easy to come here just to work and go back, I think we'd have a lot fewer uh, immigrants in that category. As it is, if it became easier to go back and forth, I think a lot of the people would do that on a frequent basis. They'd go down to Mexico, they'd come back to the U.S., back and forth, back and forth, whenever there's work or, and all that. And I don't think there would be as much of a, uh, a problem in that regard. But uh, frankly, uh, even if someone came illegally a while back, if they've been living in this country for years and years, they have jobs, they're paying taxes, uh, they should be able to apply for the same uh, citizenship uh, tests and ability to become citizens as anybody else. I mean, uh, I just don't see that there's any illegal people, really. I mean, if, if people are looking for a better life, I welcome them. And uh, uh, they have to jump through hoops to get here. And uh, it's sad. That's, that's some more of those words. That, uh, there's no illegal people. No one's saying that you're a legal person. You're just a legal immigrant lawfully. Um, I get it, though, man. And you know what, Ted? You're a great guy. I, I really uh, am enjoying the conversation we're having to get today. And um, we're going to let you go here in a second. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm not in your district, but uh, if you're on my ballot, I'll, I'm definitely voting. I'm, I'm definitely going to vote for you. And I, I, I urge the voters to consider the same. I don't think we're allowed to, on public access, do call for actions. But you could consider it, my friends out there. And Ted Brown, thank you very much for joining us. Any final words before you go? Well, thanks so much for having me. And I always like to discuss the issues because it is hard for libertarians to get the get the word out because, uh, you know, we're kind of uh, uh, not as uh, uh, recognized as the Democrats and Republicans. That's so right. We're, we're out there trying to compete with the big guys who are spending millions of dollars and uh, uh, wherever I can get out there and, and uh, promote freedom. There I am. And I really appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you very much, Ted. We'll see you next time, bud. And uh, we'll see you. Love you, man. Great. Thanks a lot. Take care. I like you more than a friend. <laughs> 
All right, dude, that was awesome to have Ted Brown here. Um, we've only got about a minute and a half left in the show. I wanted to talk about my bald cypress of bonsai pre bonsai here. <laughs> I, I want to do a show on bonsai guys, but here it is. This is a beautiful specimen here. Um, I got this from the great outdoors. This, this guy here is boy, isn't it pretty here? I went to San Marcos to go floating the other day and they had bald cypresses if you go to if you go floating and you see that there's a tree inside the water and it's coming up out of the water it's this tree right here they grow up super freaking tall they got this thin beautiful foliage here it's just beautiful foliage not to be confused with the dawn redwood which has very similar features except that the the leaf pattern is is not alternate but opposite you guys uh, that are holder culturists will know what i'm talking about anyways thank you guys for watching another episode of emergency exit podcast let me tell you we're going to continue on for another half an hour here if you guys are interested in watching us on the youtube or facebook so for Brandon the Hard Hat mitchell i'm low saying that's right we'll see you guys next week and if you guys are into it vote libertarian all right, we are off the air on uh, on uh, Austin Public. It was a little rough, but listen, dude, uh, we didn't. Good. I I think you were trying to tell me that, and I I got that. I uh, that's good. Ted Brown, great guy. Um, libertarians in general, dude. Like you'll just you just you just listen to them and you know they care to say the words of Rob there, you know? And it's, uh, it's good. And like, I feel the way about libertarians, like Rob feels about fucking Democrats, you know? Um, they're, they're, they don't backtrack. Oh, I didn't, Oh, I didn't say that. I mean, I meant to say this, like, no, like they are like super true to what they say. Um, you know, I, I wanted to talk to him about, uh, I did talk to him about like open borders and he was all like, cause he sort of said we should be able to like, uh, cross borders freely or whatever. And to me, that's like open borders and yeah, it's open borders. But, um, I mean, one day we can get to that point if there's like, like, cause right now it keeps out bad folks, the wall rather keeps out bad folks, the drugs. But if we have legalized drugs out here, like, there's no reason for them to bring the drugs. Well, maybe there's more reason for them to bring the drugs in. I got to think this through a little bit here. We were going to talk about his foreign policy here. He's a non-interventionist. He's uh, he's going to vote to remove troops from overseas. We should not be involved in NATO. And uh, I, I think there should be some sort of presence. It's weird. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway for it. I don't think there should be that much, but I'm more... And the question I was going to ask him, is it best to be proactive or reactive? Like, meaning, like, let's say somebody wants to mess with us as America and they conspire and they decide to do some sort of weird attack on us, right? If we were already hanging out, getting gaining intelligence every day, we would be more proactive instead of reacting to a bombing that may have killed many people. But in the long run, I think maybe if the people were killed first, then there would be less people killed in the war. I don't know. I'm really just not for any of that war there. Uh, We were going to talk about some health care. This is one of his quotes, quote, health care is not a right or a privilege. It's a service. And I am a hundred percent on board with that. 
Um, I wanted to do some John Stossel uh, question asking, like, what's the harm in charging everyone for health care? You know, if we get to get health care and not have to pay for it later, you know, like that kind of question. I think that guy was great. Although there's one thing I can ding him on, Brandon. There's one thing. He didn't have a mustache. He didn't have a mustache. <laughs> I feel like libertarians all have mustaches, don't you think? Well, at least Joe Jordison doesn't have a mustache, but if she did, she'd get my goddamn vote right away. So uh, we're going to just, uh, we're here live for the rest of the time here, and I think maybe uh, we should talk about this link right here. Richard Spencer endorsing Joe Biden. I thought this was great. Now, I... I don't know if this is for real or not, but he put out a tweet saying to the effect like the MAGA alt-right movement is over. I've made mistakes. Trump's an obvious disaster, but mainly the, uh, the paradigm contained flaws that we now are able to perceive and it needs to end. So be patient. We'll have another day in the sun. We need to recover and return in new form. There was this episode of South Park where they convinced all the white supremacists, uh, the KKK, uh, the Ku Klux Klan guys, to vote for the other guy, and they were, they did that so that the other anyone anyone that votes that's that's the thing that's how we know that nobody likes the KKK because if any if the KKK supports anything everyone's against it that's the bottom line and that's that's the whole idea of that last. Thing there. So white nationalist, this comes from newsweek.com, says that white nationalist Richard Spencer said uh, he will be backing Democratic candidate Joe Biden in November. Hey, can we get that brew world order? Let's do that brew world order. Um, candidate Joe Biden in November's election after previously distancing himself from Donald Trump. Spencer, who was one of the key figureheads in the alt-right movement, tweeted how he is on, quote, Team Joe on Monday adding a self-made campaign slogan, liberals are clearly more competent. Now, when I hear that word, liberals are more uh, competent, I have to think he's lying about this. I don't know anything about this fucking guy, Dick Spencer here, but um, here's the thing. Uh, This is the difference between Trump and Biden. Spencer... Um, Richard Spencer endorsed Trump and he didn't, he didn't say anything, but in the next article we'll pull up here in a second is that, uh, the Biden campaign was like, we a thousand percent don't want your support. It don't matter if you don't want their support at this point. How many times have we heard on this show? Oh, Donald Trump, his supporters are fucking white supremacists. Well, he doesn't support them. Well, they support him. He emboldens them. It's about time that we say Joe Biden has emboldened the alt-right to vote for him. Emboldening. Oh, he emboldens white supremacy. Trump does. Like, oh, my God. Who emboldened all the fucking killings of cops during these fucking riots that we're having? Anyways, we need to do a brew world order. Let's go. It's the brew world. We've got Viva Chilada. No, Chila. Viva Chila. Viva Chila from Carback Brewing Company. Viva La Lima. Viva is a vibrant and fresh. Uh, Viva is vibrant and fresh. This elegant Mexican-style lager comes impeccably dressed with bright lime and salt accents. With its crisp, 
clean drinker in the finest tradition in the brewing arts south of the border. It's a clean, crisp drinker. Viva Las Chilas. This is something I'm sure uh, our uh, co-host David would uh, would love. Can we get him on the phone? Uh, yeah, if he's li- if he's listening, or I can probably try. Why don't and call you uh, call him, him up so him that call. yeah, so we can have this chilada with him. All right, chila. No, he no. might be he might be mad at me from earlier. I kind of I kind of hung up on him, but we'll see. Oh, it's busy. Is that what this signal is? Is he calling us? I'm trying to call him, and it's coming up busy. There's no way. He must be trying to call us. Maybe. Let's try one more again. I can't tell you how long it's been since I've heard a busy signal. Oh, he may have been. (laughs) That would be funny. (laughs) He's going to send us to voicemail. He's like, I'm sick of these fuckers. I quit. (laughs) I quit, motherfucker. Uh, Nope, not going to answer. Come on, answer. Come on. Nope. Nope. He's probably nope. having post-marital sex with his woman. Well, it's post-marital. It's all right. All right. This isn't good radio. Let's move on. Well, hopefully he'll call back. Yeah. He'll, yeah maybe. So I thought this was so funny that Richard Spencer came out and said Brew that World. he endorses. Oh, oh, that's right. Brew. Ha! <laughs> Brew word order. So I've got this wonderful, uh, it says, hell Yeah. And uh, it's got two row malts, Vienna flaked corn, uh, acid elated, acidulated. This is pretty cool looking, so let's give it a crackaloo. Ooh, it does have a nice little smell to it. It's a nice lager. I definitely taste the salt and the lime. That's prevalent. You mm. know, there's someone in my life. Who I love, my baby. She loves a good beer with salt and lime. I don't know if she likes lime, actually. I think she definitely likes lime, but uh, not so much the salt. But uh, either way, this is like a uh, like a light Bud Bud Light or a Coors Light. Any one of those lights. No, no, no. Let's go Tecate Light. It's got a Tecate Light taste with a lime and salt taste. Um, burping in the mic. God dang it. That was so good this week. Um, Brandon, what do you think about this Carbach Viva Chila? You know, I am partial to the uh, the Carbach Brewing Company. Love Street, been featured several times. Yes, One right. of my all-time favorite beers. Uh, I mean, the, the Car- uh, Crawford Bach, another one. This one. And, you know, I was looking into it. They actually do make a light version of this beer. A, ch- so, a chila light? Yeah. So you're uh, you're comparing it to, you know, light, you know, what what did you say? A tecate light? Tecate. They well, make this well, also tecate, a light version. No, no, no. I didn't even say tecate light. I straight up said tecate. Oh, just tecate. Okay. Maybe I added the light in there. Um, man, this is good. It's got a, that little bit of bitterness and, you know, the saltiness and the lime. Uh-huh. What do you think? Man, I love this. I'm going to give it um probably a 4.6. 4.6? Yeah. That's, that's right. That's really good. 4.6, that's right. Wonderful fucking rating there. I, I, I don't know if I would give it that high. I mean, it is it is a definitely a four. Yeah, yeah. Just let it simmer. No, it's a four. Four, it's that's four? right. Solid four? Solid four, that's right. All right. Now, uh, can you go ahead and pull up the Google Sheet? I want to talk about the Brew World Order Tournament of Beers here. Oh. And I want to show some proof to people here. Now, I'm sure there's nobody even watching. Nobody watches our show because one day you guys will. 
And you guys will watch back and go, oh, this is awesome. But we're going to do the Tournament of Beers. And what we've been doing for 170 episodes, I didn't even say that it was episode 170 today. That's probably the first episode of Marine Exit where I didn't mention Far Above the World or uh, 170, or the episode number. But we're gonna, since uh, episode one, I've been recording, Brandon and I have been recording what the brewer orders have been the ratings, what the beer was. And what we're going to eventually do is make an average of every single one of those beers. And uh, he's going to put up our, there it is right there. This is our spreadsheet of, uh, look, it goes way back. Episode one, it was uh, Austin Beer Works Pearl Snap. I mean, and it keeps going. I mean, you scroll down and you can, you'll see that we've done all sorts of beers and I, we're going to make an average of them, and we're going to build a, I think, maybe a 16-beer bracket. I think that's good. If we do 4-4-4, four, 4-4-4-4, four, and, four, 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 and we do them in different categories. We do loggers. Uh, maybe we can do more. If we can do 32, that'd be great, but that's a lot of freaking beers. A lot of beer. That's a lot of beer, and we would only be able to get through one of these a, a week, and so it would take the amount of weeks that it would take to finish the bracket there. Um, nine banded whiskey's even in this. I don't yeah. think we can put whiskey in the tournament of beers. Here's another Carbach, the cherry limeade Rattler. How did that do? Uh, it did not do Jimmy, well. It looks like, no, not really. The highest score was 3.9 by you. It looks like I liked it more than any of y'all. <laughs> yeah. I sort of like Rattlers. Um, the White Claw, those are all in the fours. The White, Claw. <laughs> White Claw. White well, Claw. Think, I think the, the Spike Seltzer is going to be its own category. I think I that think should be a we great category. About. Yeah, the Spike See, that's Seltzer. that's why I think it should be 32. You can't just do like loggers, four loggers, four stouts, four ambers, and then I want to do like a miscellaneous, right, which were like the best of some. I want to put the best of the worst on there. I want to put like four of the worst ones on there. Uh, that means we got to find Burrito again. Oh, that's that's easy <laughs> enough. I'm sure we can get any of that, any of these beers. Um. Yeah, one sixty nine. That's all of them. We're almost. Uh, we almost have. We have to go back and listen to the rest of them. But yeah. if anybody wants to put in some volunteer work, let us know. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, that's the brew world. That's right. <sighs> it's the brew Let's go to that next link here from Newsweek here. Biden's campaign responses uh, responds to Richard Spencer. Absolutely repunged it. Oh, boy, you're the worst person we have. We would never want you a spokesperson. This comes from Newsweek.com. A spokesperson for Democratic presidential candidate Joe Creepy man Biden rejected an endorsement from alt-right figure Richard Spencer late Sunday evening calling the white nationalist's views, quote, absolutely repugnant, unquote. Quote, when Joe Biden says we are in a battle for the soul of our nation against vile forces of hate who come crawling out from under the rocks, you are the epitome of what he means. You stand, what you stand for is absolutely repugnant. Your support is 10,000% unwelcome here, unquote says Andrew Bates, the director of Rapid Response for Biden's campaign. 
And a matter of fact, I think that little video shows him get uh, uh, Richard Spencer get punched. Now, nobody likes Richard Spencer. Now, he votes for Republican because they sort of have the same sort of values, except for the racism part. It's funny how just because somebody supports you, like, of you know, let's say Richard Spencer, you're all of a sudden a Nazi. But where is the call for Biden here? Biden... You were emboldened, you emboldened, emboldened Richard Spencer, Dick Spencer, the cocksucker from fucking Montana. That bastard there needs to get fucked in his asshole, says Jeff the Texan. Actually, Jeff the Georgian. Uh, no, South, it's called, he's from Alabama. I think that's better. Who's got the most hickiest accent in America? What's the most hickiest accent? Mm, like well, what state? The most redneck. Ooh, okay. If you're talking redneck, you're probably talking like I'm gonna say like Kentucky. Okay. Backwoods, Kentucky. Man, I'm from Kentucky and we don't take that kind of shit from no <laughs> <laughs> But imagine this. So I guess this is the difference between Joe Biden and, and Trump that Trump never had his rapid response guy go, fuck off, right? And so, therefore, that's the evidence that he doesn't care. Like, well, come on, dude. Come on, man. 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 Oh, that was Obama at the end. Come on, man. It was funny, too. I keep thinking about that come on, man, you know, and how Brian Stavely kept saying that to us. Like, Joe Biden says that to us. And, all right, let's go to this post-millennial uh, thing, and we'll end it here after this one. Uh, a black woman accuses Asian tea shop of uh, Asian tea shop owners of quote stealing black culture. A black woman accused Asian business owners by saying the name of a boba tea shop, Trap Tea, was stealing black culture. Black culture? Yeah, black women so accused them. So you can't them. say trap. Without like, yeah, trap is uh trap is black culture uh, evidently here. I mean, so mousetrap Monday's fucking out the window. Mousetrap Wednesday or Wednesday uh, Monday. <laughs> mousetrap Monday is fucking sick. I fucking love that shit. Oh, mousetrap. I see what you mean. Yeah, twenty three year old, twenty three year old swing and a miss. Alwea Tola Roba walked into the newly opened store in Aurora, Cal- uh, Colorado, and berated the Asian owned business on Friday. Arguing it had no right claiming the name which Boba, uh, which Roba considered an African American slang, according to Urban Dictionary, a trap house is used to describe a crack house, a place in a shady neighborhood where illegal drugs are manufactured, packaged for sale, or sold on the street. Immediately after Roba ordered, she asked the company, uh, she asked if the company was black owned. The employee addressed her question and acknowledged that there are majority that they are majority Indonesian. When uh, that's when Roba accused Trap T of profiting off black culture. Now I thought they were talking about trap music. Are they talking about uh, trap a trap house? Because that's completely different. That's got nothing to do with black culture. Unless you're trying to say black culture is uh, opening up a crack mm-hmm. house. I mean, that's a slippery slope right there if you're talking like, I just don't understand the basis of her argument saying that just because the word trap is in their name, she's stealing black culture. I don't, 
I don't see the connection there. All you fucking bitches <laughs> need to get fucking slapped. The fucking earth's flat. The fucking earth's flat. There's got to be a video in, in, in this uh, thing somewhere. I think we should watch it. I don't see the video. Unfortunately, I don't think the video is on here because they're, they're smart enough to do that. But yeah, it's Trap T in Aurora. And Trap T, just because someone has a word, would you... Okay, you're selling mouse traps, like you were saying, Brandon. You're selling bear traps. That is still... Matter of fact, the word trap does not come from black folks. This establishment is uh, not black owned, but using you're stealing black culture. Is this not black culture? Trap tea, the boba plug? No, you're these Asian Asian people stealing black black culture once again, once again. It's okay, you'll be exposed though. You're not black owned. You're stealing black culture. Thank you for coming. No, I came here because I thought it was black owned. That's why I came here. I told my friends, I'm supporting a black business. This is not black owned. This is not black owned. Asians stealing stealing black culture. Once again, uh, you're a coon. Don't talk. I'm a coon. Can we go back like uh, in, where she calls him a coon? Because if she, if she, no, it's not that far back. Uh, I mean, like more like, like towards the end when you see that guy, when she turns around. Oh, shit. Go back. Play that again. Oh, my God. She said you're a coon again. What the fuck? What the fuck? He looks like a black man to me. We're wearing a gator. And I'm sure Democrats look at this and go, like, we're she's we so don't, brave. No, no, no. They're not saying she's so brave. She, she's not part of us or whatever. But here's the fact. Y'all embolden her. If we're going to use that language, embolden her, just like y'all will say that white supremacists are emboldened by Trump, this is what the left, the Democratic Party, is emboldening people to straight up think that the word trap. Now, I, when I first heard this story, I thought she was so confused that she thought boba tea was black culture. Now, I was, I was thinking there's no way any smart person thinks that boba tea is from Asia, uh, from Africa. Now, I don't want to sound dumb, so I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask Google where does boba tea come from oh it's already on here <laughs> from taiwan okay so there's just no way i was thinking man there's just no way she actually thinks that boba tea is from taiwan so i assumed it was the trap thing now if we're gonna assume it's the trap thing because she's not dumb enough to say that boba tea comes from africa but taiwan and she's from ethiopia by the way she's from the birthplace of man by the way this this muslim woman i i just don't no, where we're going here, you know, if if we're going to say that Trump emboldens white supremacy, this is what the left, the Bidens, the I'm not going to say, 
I'm sure she probably votes for Biden or she was going to vote for Bernie, but now she's going to be like anyone but Trump. So I'm going to vote for Biden. Same thing goes, dude, I'm on Facebook quite often and I don't respond to people because I learned my lesson a long time ago. But there are just some people on my fucking feed that are just like they say they're 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 not for Biden. But they'll talk so much shit on fucking Trump. I don't ever see him talk about shit about Biden. Now he goes, well, listen, don't don't take what I'm saying about Trump mean that I'm going to vote for Biden. I think they're both repugnant. Like, then just why don't you just shut the fuck up? Like, I don't understand why you need to be posting up on Facebook all the time to virtue signal how much you hate somebody like Trump. I get it. Orange man, bad. I don't like him either. But I don't. I don't like the policies from Joe Biden or the people from the Democratic Party. I happen to like some of the policies from. Uh, uh, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna out if we're gonna weigh ourselves on policies here, um, it's even with the Democrats. Except the Republicans go up a little bit more because the left or the Democrats have gone a little too far this way. Your left, my uh, well, this way. Your left, my right. Does that work that way? Yeah, my right, your left is how it works. No, it's still the, the right, if I'm looking at the camera right. Anyways, I think it's just, it, it, it's so crazy that we have to live in this crazy world where we have two parties, when there's a perfectly good party right there that sides with most of everybody, but has better ideas, doesn't want to be involved in every single fucking aspect in the world, wants to just do what they want to do, like you. Like for me, I just want to go to work. I don't even want to go to work. Fuck work, but I have to go to work so I can make some money. And the bad part is I got to pay some of that money that I work to this government that will fucking kill black people, unarmed black people, kill unarmed white people. They kill people. Big fucking whoop, right? I mean, it is a big whoop. I, I'm not for the 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 police killing any of the people, but... Uh, I'm definitely, you guys know my stance on BLM. You know, I'm all for police reform. I'm all for getting rid of most of the police unions. I'm just not for your crazy abolition of every fucking police department in the in the country. And uh, most of the people don't. And their their voices are so loud. I'm not for your 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 politicizing of masks and COVID. I'm just I'm done with your bullshit, people. I'm done with your your right. I'm done with your left. I've been done with the right and left. That's why I'm where I am now. That's why Brandon's here with me. That's why fucking David's here with me. Brandon didn't come here thinking he was on the right. He didn't come here thinking he was on the left. He came here as not even knowing about this stuff. And then throughout the four years we've been doing this fucking show, there's no way that you can't see the 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 news articles the news the shit that we pull up every week week after week and and honestly vote for fucking the left for for biden their policies have just proven themselves that they don't work i mean plain and simple what policies you 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 going with? Uh, there? I mean, specifically, we can look at like the homelessness issues. You know, I wanted to bring that up with Ted Brown. I, yeah. I, I we we got so tied into a whole bunch of other stuff. We we didn't get into the homeless stuff, but I mean, dude, uh, just alone, uh, you know, there's re- if you live in Austin, you guys know what I'm talking about. You see the homeless camps. The reason why they're there is because we've let we've lifted the rule on camping on the streets. 
due to compassion, because, oh, what are we going to do? If you drive at the corner of uh, fucking, what is it, Pleasant Valley? No, it's not Pleasant Valley. It's, yeah, Pleasant Valley and Riverside, and you turn right. If you're going south on Pleasant Valley, you turn right on Riverside, and it's that big median on Riverside uh, that's right across the street from the McDonald's. It's a fucking shanty town. I have no problem with homeless people camping. I guess I don't have that big of an issue. The problem I have with it is that the fucking trash, it is fucking filthy over there. They have every, they, they build fucking shanty mansions out there. I don't mind that, you know, I know, I understand you're homeless and there's, there's shit that's going on in your life, but you're building what's the plan here? You're building your, your, a mansion. Like it's like three fucking giant six people tents, six person tents put together with a bunch of pallets that they probably took from behind the H E B across the street and fucking they, they made some sort of building with it. And then it's just like trash everywhere. And there are people like Mackenzie that uh, Mackenzie Kelly who uh, help get trash cans out there and, and they fill those trash cans up. And then as soon as those trash cans are filled, they start throwing them everywhere. They have no respect for the space that, that Austin graciously, graciously gave them by saying there's no camping laws anymore. You can go ahead and camp under a fucking freeway or in a fucking giant median. Well, and, and to add on to that is that our city council, you know, here in a, on a local uh, lens that they they've allowed that to happen you know they they you know got rid of the camping ban so you know now we we see more of them i don't think that there are more but you see them a lot more but that's all that they've stopped at well, they haven't what, what, put what, forth- what's that uh, why don't you read us that that uh screenshot you get you sent to uh, Brand, uh to uh, david and i about uh why we uh why have our city council members abandon uh common sense and good government Oh yeah, so yes, that that's actually coming from um he's going to this guy is running for uh district 10 city council. Uh shoot, what is it, something Thomas? I'm I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Uh man, I'll pull gotta, it up here. His name was uh, Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas. Yes. And he yeah, he pretty much said that all 8 of the city council members have voted, you know, I mean, among the defund the police and everything, but just to allow the homeless to come out and camp in the open, but they've stopped right there. They haven't put forth any issues or any even re- resolution solutions to help these people get off of the streets, help people keep from getting on the streets. So no, it's District like, 10, that's Austin proper. That is, I just pulled up what District 10 is. I mean, you hear District 17, District 5. Well, District 17 with Ted Brown, That no, that's Texas's District 17 to represent Congress. I'm talking this guy, right, David right. You, Thomas, you hear is these city districts. council. Um, city council, District 10. So oh, it's a totally different district. Oh, it's within see. the city of Austin. Oh, let me see here. Um, so yeah, it's within Austin. Yeah, so... Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I forgot about that part. Yeah, mm-hmm. so our city council, that that's who is responsible for all this shit here. And they they have been, let me read here, um, uh, all your, your current city council members here in Austin, all, every single one of them, voted to defund and demoralize our first responders. Uh, they exploded the city budget, making Austin unaffordable for hardworking families. I'm in a hardworking family. 
my family, my girlfriend and I, we make less than $100,000 a year. And we can't afford to live in Austin. We can't afford to buy a house in Austin. Um, they've also, every single one of them voted to spend $7 billion on a repeatedly defeated mass transit, transit dream. Yeah, why do we need, okay, mass transit, I get um, buses, but uh, here's a. They want to implement the whole rail system, a subway system that it, that only it's estimated that it would affect one percent of us that we would actually use here in the city of Austin. I sure as hell don't need to use a fucking subway to get to where I need to go. I don't either. Um, but that's just me. I'm one person. You're another person, and there's no way you can do your job, Brandon. No, taking a subway. Taking a subway. <laughs> no, there's just Absolutely no way. You need not. a truck. Yeah. And this is Texas, man. We have HVAC guys. You think HVAC guys are uh, going to carry their fucking condenser? Absolutely fucking, not. <laughs> their tanks and shit everywhere? Yeah. You, you better believe that they're not doing that. Every single one of them voted to destroy our neighbors by forcing the spe- uh, special interest-driven, cost-overrun, bloated code-next development code down the throats of our neighborhoods and forced our most vulnerable homeless population to live in the most inhumane conditions without providing their basic needs and the basic health and safety needs. Uh, exactly. I, they make it okay for them to come out and camp in the open, but that's it. They don't do anything else to, to, to fix the problem. Is this guy running in the same district as McKenzie? No, it's a different district. All right, let's get this guy on. I'm, I'm, I'm in the works. You're on it. it. Okay, good. Of course, Mr. Hardhead's on it. Anyways, that's our show for the night, you guys. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you guys like our content, be sure to like, uh, subscribe, share, all that fucking shit. So, for Brandon the Hard... Or on Spotify, by the way, too. I think Podbeam is officially on Spotify, but we're already on Spotify, so we're double on Spotify? I don't know. We're definitely on Spotify, so... I don't know. I don't think anybody that has spot, maybe two people with Spotify listens to podcasts on it. I used to listen to Spotify, but fuck Spotify nowadays. So for Brandon Hardhead Mitchell, I'm Los. Uh, for our ghost buddy, David Aguilar, I'm Los saying, that's right. See you guys next week. That's right.